Welcome to the Ed Milet Show. Fired up today. I've got one of the great young entrepreneurs in the United States here with me that I've been following on social media for a long time. We've got a bunch of mutual friends, and so I'm honored to have the great Brad Lee here today. Brad, thanks for being here, brother. Man, I'm honored. I'm honored. Oh, it's great to have you, man. We've been having great conversations off camera, very interesting conversations, and I'm hoping that transfers to on camera now, too. So many of you probably follow Brad on Instagram or on Twitter through social media, and you've seen the unbelievable posts that he makes. I think he's one of the most creative and innovative, unique people on social media. I've told you that. Oh, that's interesting. I want to drill into that. Okay, we will. I'll tell you why it's unique, too. But So I, I encourage you to begin to follow him, too, as well, if you're not. But what I want to do today is get to know you better. And then there's all these young entrepreneurs out there, salespeople. I consider Brad to be an expert with how to teach people how to become more productive entrepreneurs, and especially great at teaching people how to sell and close and persuade people too. And so I want to pick your brain on some of that stuff today. Okay. Brad's built an amazing company. We're actually at his headquarters today called Lightspeed VT. It's an unbelievable virtual technology that he's got that you see a lot of people on his platform often that you would know very well in personal development. But I want to go back prior to that. Let's okay. Do it. So how does Brad Lee become Brad Lee? So you grew up where? You grew up in the Pacific Northwest? Yep. Did you grow up in a super successful family, like entrepreneurs around you, wealth around you? How'd no, you grow up? No, uh, originally we were kind of, I wouldn't say poor, but low middle class okay. at, at, at best. We lived in a little tiny house on a hill surrounded by bigger houses. Hmm. It was, it was, it was kind of unique because, you know, there's a lot of stories from that that I've, that I've learned back in those days that I can now see the, the lesson, where there, I, I didn't really realize. But no, we grew up a lower middle class. You did? Mom and dad married and you lived in, in the same my, house? My dad and mom were divorced, okay. and then my dad remarried. So I had my stepmom at that time. Okay, so you live with your dad and your stepmom? Yeah. Well, so. originally, we all went to an orphanage. And then my grandmother, bless her heart, told my dad to get off his ass and come get us because Whoa. we were basically about to get shipped off to different families. You're kidding me. No, when my mom and dad divorced, my dad said, screw you. And my mom said, well, here, take the kids. She kept the baby. So me and my brothers and sister went to an orphanage and was about to get shipped off. And then my grandmother told my dad, you better go get them. So fortunately, he came and got us. Whoa, what? How? how I was what? I was two. You're two. So you don't really remember this happening necessarily. No. My brothers and sisters do, but um, I was two. My brother was probably seven. Wow. I've and never then heard that before. And then in between. Have you covered that before? No, but you want something new, don't you? I do. I want stuff new. I always make them cry. I'm crying a little bit. That's what my goal come is. Come on. Time. Come on. So that's interesting. So you're this little guy. You're growing up. You live with your dad. Mom's sort of in a different place. Were you always, were you an athlete? Like, were you a competitive per Like, did you have this background of winning and competition your whole life? Or what well, were you like? Well, actually, yeah. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I excelled at sports. Hmm. Like, for example, I joined a swim team, mm -hmm. and I first year joined a team called the guppies we had to you had to start there and my the only sporting event my dad ever came to watch was my first swim meet with the guppies huh. and i beat the other swimmers so badly they disqualified me really they said he he shouldn't be in this league <laughs> and my dad basically told him ah you know you, you guys are stupid and he left and he never went to another sporting event of mine but i excelled at swimming at huh. first <clears throat> And then uh, cross country hmm. did that for a minute, and, and you know, kind of beat the competitors without yeah. even really trying. So you're a natural athlete. I ran a 440 oh, wow. in junior a high. Four four forty. Four four forty. Wow. Okay. In junior high. Wow. I mean, like people say bullshit. Yeah. Or 
bull crap. That's okay. <laughs> and it's true. It's, it's the dead ball's truth. But I didn't have a lot of parental guidance when it came to, you know, sticking to something. Mm. So ultimately I ended up, you know, quitting over something stupid and no one made me go back. So I didn't, I didn't finish with sports. Okay. A lot of people relate to that though. A lot of people had some potential when they were young. They didn't have a lot of supervision. They end up, you know, kind of flaming out on their first dream. So you had all these gifts that you end up not using. So after high school, you go to college or you, no, you didn't? Dropped out of high school. You Let, dropped out yeah, of high beginning school? Beginning 11th grade. So you're a high school dropout who's built this massive company. Yeah, baseball. Yeah. Either home runs or strikeouts. There was no in between. There's no in between with you? No base hits. So you're a high school dropout, and then you end up becoming this. How's that happen? So I know this, just to speed something up here. You end up getting into the sales business eventually, yeah. right? And so how long were you in sales? What type of sales were you in? And is that when you first started to get your taste at, hey, I can control my time, I can make some money? How old were you? Like, when did all that start? It's 17. You know, I couldn't decide between movie star and... And a, and a job, everyone was telling me, you know, get a real job. Yeah. Weren't just, you an actor, though? You were also yeah, an actor, right? Yeah, I technically still am. I'm just unemployed. Okay. <laughs> so if you guys are looking for one, you know, I'm a thespian. Trained thespian, by the way. Hmm, but uh, at around 17, early 17 years old, I went and got a job with a forest service company. Okay. And I thought I was going to be fighting forest fires. Hmm. Sounded cool. Yeah. Went so, around bragging like I'm cool. Paid like $22 an hour. First day on the job, realized I wasn't a forest firefighter. I was the dude that had a 10-pound bag of water put on my back, and I went and squirted water on stumps that were mm. smoldering so they didn't reignite a fire. They called it a piss bag. Got mm. poison oak and went and basically said, hey, I got poison oak. I'm not going to be able to come in tomorrow. And they're, they laughed and said, yeah, you'll be in tomorrow at 4 a.m. That's part of the job. And you know, everyone had poison oak, supposedly. So that's... Ultimately, when I said, dude, this manual labor that shit, for you. I'm not into it. Yeah. yeah. So I opened the newspaper to get another job, and there was an ad for selling cars. Okay. So I went and applied for selling cars at 17 and basically lied to get the job because you had to be 18. 17 years old. Yeah, and, I, and you had to be 18. Mm. So I got the job at 17 lying, which, again, you learn. People say you can't change. I think you can, by the way. Anyway. BS'd my way into the job. Okay. Went around bragging to everybody I was 17. So so the other salesmen were haters because I was kicking everyone's ass. Mm. And they told management. So management brought me in and said, how old are you? And, I, and, he, and he said, don't lie to me. Mm. I said, I'm 17. He said, well, you lied and said you were 18. I said, yeah. He said, how many cars you got out? Mm. I said, like 26. And at, at this time, the closest person might have had 10. Mm. And he said, when do you turn 18? I said, like, another two months. He said, can you keep your mouth shut that long? <laughs> of course, they don't want to lose the golden goose. Yeah, so I, so, I, so I started Excel. You know, they gave me a car to drive. You got to wear a suit. I was, I was home. No poison oak, no hard work, huh. a pen. Mm. You know, and the way I looked at it, this individual paid for all the cars, paid for the building, paid for the advertising, gave me a pen, and let me have my own little business yeah. without investing a dime. That's the way I looked at it. Mm. And so I was aggressive and started selling. Talk about it for a second, because I don't think most salespeople think that way, especially if they're not in something where they do have some ownership of it. But you treated selling, this is important, by the way, because I did too young. I started out just in the selling business too. And so, But you treated selling like it was your own business. Well, it right? is. Elaborate. What do you mean? When you're on commission, you know, you, you don't have a limit. Mm -hmm. So... If you're going to give me cars, let's use cars or art, because I've sold art, cars, RVs, mm -hmm. 
ridiculous vacuums. Really? Um, candy bars. Hmm. Yeah, I've sold everything. Um, matter of fact, at six years old, there's a story about selling candy bars that is pretty funny. But Give me it. I want to hear it. Well, I was six years old, and they, and they gave out the boxes of candy, World's Finest Chocolates. Yeah. You remember those? Yes. They were delicious. <laughs> they were. Yeah. I mean, still to this day, I think they're probably the best actual chocolate with almonds you can yeah. find. So I went out, and I started selling candy bars. And all the other kids that couldn't sell their candy bars, normally they would ship them back to the company, and that was it. Well, they just gave me all of the candy bars everyone else couldn't sell, and I literally sold every candy bar that the school received. And what like I, how, knocking doors? Or yeah, what? I went on, knocked yeah. on doors. They'd open the door, and I'd have it behind my back. And yeah. when they answered the door, I would say, do you have the phone number to a good roof repairman? <laughs> and they'd always be like, no. It's six years old, you say. Six it? years old, and I developed it all by myself. I don't yeah. know how, but I said, do you have the phone number to a good roof repairman? They said, no, why? And I say, because when you taste one of these, you're going to go through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and people were just buying little six-year-old little face saying that Adam people can't were, say no. And people were just buying boxes at a time. That's you know, I'll awesome. take twenty of them. So I learned selling then. Okay, I'm going to tell point this out. What you just did, I told Brad before we went on the camera because you just did it again. That he has an interesting way of communicating. Do you remember when I told you this earlier? Yeah. And you just did it again. You started it at six years old. And this is why I want you to follow him because a lot of people speak the same way. They'll say, "Here's what I'm going to tell you," then they tell you. Brad's communication style is it ends up a punchline. So <laughs> you don't know where you're going, and then boom, you land somewhere. Whether that's a joke or a sales pitch or a close or a statement, you watch when you watch him. And you just so you know, you did it at six years old. You start with the candy bar behind your back, right? Yeah. Do you need a roof? You know, and boom, then you come back at him. So it, you always take him down an interesting road when you communicate. It's very unique to this dude well, with the way you. that you talk. It is, and it's why I think your social media stuff's interesting. Because it's not like, let me tell you what you need to think, and then you say it. You start out somewhere, and I don't know where we're going, and then boom, there's a punchline, and we land somewhere. And when I say punchline, it may not mean something funny. It just may mean you take me where you're going to take me. It's almost like going around the corner, and I find the prize. Yeah. And that's what you were doing when you closed then, too. So that's awesome, right. by the way. You started that at six. Started at six, cool. you know. Um, so let me ask you a question. You're this good closer at six. You become a great car salesman, young. You've gone on to sell other things and been successful. Then you built this huge training thing that we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm a salesperson, mm -hmm. which, by the way, the first thing is, the first step of that is admitting it, yeah. right, that I actually close, I actually sell, right? Give me a couple things that someone out here just got into sales or is in it and struggling, right? Like, what's a couple real keys of being great at closing? One, you've said you own it like your own business, because not everybody does think that way. But give me a couple things. What makes a good closer, a good salesperson, a good persuader? The ability to listen, first of all, because a lot of salespeople really don't listen hmm. and they're not even prepared to ask good questions in order to get good answers. Hmm. So I'll give you an example. When I used to train people, I would carry around a quarter, a dime, and a nickel. So they, they can put this on the screen if, if you're editing this, but pretend this is a quarter, okay, and this is a dime, and this is a nickel. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to listen. Okay, Bob's mom has three kids. The first one is Nicholas. The second one is Demetrius. What's the third one's name? I don't know. What is it? Okay, well, I'm going to have you listen again. Okay, do it again. Bob's mom has three kids. The first one is Nicholas. Second one is Demetrius. What's the third one's name? I don't know. 
So you ask because you're not really actively listening. Okay. Now, actively listen to me. Okay. Bob's mom has three kids. The first one is Nicholas. The second one is Demetrius. What's the third one's name? <laughs> you got me. I don't know. Listen closely. Stop it. Give me listen. the answer. Bob's mom. Bob's mom. It's has, Bob. There you go. It takes me a while. So you notice that doesn't take you a while. You're not listening actively. I'm struggling with my IQ issues, but I got it eventually. <laughs> I guarantee it's not that. It's and people do and people do it all the time. They're not listening actively because we're having a conversation and you're you're not trying to sell me anything. Right. But when someone says what makes the best salesperson, ultimately, was everybody, were all of you just watching that going, what the hell is wrong with me? Or were any of you with me on that? Like, is at least 5% of you with me that you did not know Bob's I'd damn say, name? I'd say 90%. Because what it is, the trick is there's a damn N, a D, and a Q. So you're throwing me off with the Q. Yeah. Well, that's why I'd have a dime, a quarter, and a nickel. Yeah. So people just are trying to, because they're not listening. So if you're, a, if you're a, if you want to be great in sales, first of all, you need to learn to listen closely and actively. And then secondly, learn to ask the right questions. Wow, that is that is such an awesome illustration right there. My whole audience now just unfollowed me because they know how low my IQ is. Well, watch <laughs> this. Well, you can edit it. But no, trust me, it. It was awesome. 95% of the people I, I do that with yep. never get Bob. Sometimes they'll get it on the third one, mm. occasionally on the second one, hardly ever they're listening. No, I'm leaving that in there. That's too damn good. How, however, knowing the right questions to ask. Mm -hmm. You know, when people start selling things, like if I say, you know, go ahead and sell me that. Mm -hmm. You know, people will start saying, oh, it's quality leather and it's mm -hmm. gonna last a long time. And that's not really selling, that's telling. Selling, I have to know what it is about you that values that. Mm -hmm. And I do that through questions. So if, if I were gonna sell you that, I wouldn't just start selling it. Like mm -hmm. most people, that's what they'll do. Mm -hmm. Like next time you talk to a salesperson that says they're top salesman, mm -hmm. say, okay, well sell me that chair. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, mm -hmm. oh, this chair's constructed this way yep. and it's the greatest fabric and it's gonna last the best. Mm -hmm. And they're not asking you, you know, who's the chair for? Yep. You know, are you replacing a chair? You know, what do you like about the chair you're replacing? What didn't you like about the chair you're replacing? So by the time I explain that chair, I can provide value and explain to you why it's valuable. Now, let's say, for example, you tell me that chair is so quality and it's gonna last forever and I find out you're getting a divorce and you have to provide your ex-wife a replacement chair. Yeah. I just unsold you the chair, not even knowing it. Yeah. Why? Because I didn't ask you some questions and listen to the answer. Well, that's the big thing. Cardone said this to me. Grant Cardone and I were talking about this very topic off camera also, and he said, because it's what you just did with me, it's not just asking the question, it's getting the answer. So a lot of people ask questions, but they never get the answer. You forced me through finally to get me to get the answer, right? And that's what a good closer gets also. They don't just ask the question. They actually get the answer. Mm -hmm. I think some people think, all I gotta do is ask a bunch of questions. Well, no, you have to get the answer and get right. them actively listening. That's why that is really powerful and why I wanna absolutely leave that in there. So very, well, very good. You so, wanna be good in sales, listen and ask good questions. Okay, so that's huge, by the way. Very, very good. So I wanna be good in sales. Then there's another layer of people out there who say, I wanna be good at training salespeople. I want to build a team of people. I could be in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. I could be in the insurance business. I could be in the car business. I could I could have my own donut shop, but I got to get people out there selling donuts, whatever it is, right? What are some of the keys in developing people who can persuade and close? There's You talk about these four steps that I absolutely love in, in learning how to close or retaining information, et cetera. What are those, what are those steps? Well, there's four ingredients okay. that you need to have an effective training program. Okay. A lot of companies have training programs that aren't really effective. Yeah. And the goal of a training program is to get results. So if you're not getting the result you're looking for, 
you know, it's not effective. Mm -hmm. So it's like making a cake, right? There's certain ingredients that you put in a cake. Leave out an egg in mm. your cake and see what happens. Mm. It doesn't come out right. Yep. Um, even leave out one little thing, like the sugar or any, any of the ingredients. So the ingredients in a, an effective training program is good content, got to have good content, repetition, which yeah. most people lack. Because yep. training isn't something you did, it's something you do, right? You go to the gym to build muscle, you know anything about that? A little bit. Did you go lift one and then go home? No. No, it no. takes repetition. Same mm -hmm. thing with, with actual training. So you need good content, repetition, practice, and, a, and role play, mm. and accountability. I love that. And most companies, they'll get... You know they're very they, they hold everyone accountable but they don't practice or they practice but they don't have any repetition yes you got to have them all i so love that because repetition allows you to be reflexive under pressure right if you've done enough reps when pressure comes up the question stress the concern your responses become reflexive rather than you having to think about the answer yeah. right and the way you develop that is through role play not some not telling someone right we both agree with this not telling me how to do it but getting me to actually do it mm -hmm. is how i build that muscle so that's a huge tip like you say that often so even i know your own appreciation for it isn't people that are listening to this don't know that they don't know that i got to hold people accountable but i can only hold them accountable if they've done role play if there's repetition so all of these are requisites in building a team of people who can who can move something for you and i want you to help these folks here cuz you've not only you're a great sales guy you're a great businessman you're a great entrepreneur. That's how I introduced you, right? I think your, one of your skills is closing. One of your skills is teaching it. But you've built a great company, right? And there's skills that go with that. What do you think? You, you're on social media. You hear people ask you questions all the time. Yeah. Why do you think so many people out there are struggling with getting their businesses really off the ground and going? Like, what are the, some of the main <coughs> things that you think... These, you're hearing from people. Is it what people worrying about? What people think about them? Is it lack of execution, work ethic? Like, what do you think are some of the real core things that hold people back from from building their businesses? In my opinion, mm -hmm. mainly it's because a they were taught wrong. Mm. They th their belief system is backwards, mm. and then b they don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to put in the work. So why why doesn't why doesn't everyone have abs? Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not rock. It's not secret information on how to get abs. Right. You can get abs. I can get abs. How come we don't have them? Because mm -hmm. it's freaking hard work. It's mm -hmm. uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to make those choices. And sometimes, you know, not having the knowledge will be the reason. Mm -hmm. And the other reason is they don't want to put in the work. Yeah. They want to use excuses. Yeah. Do you, and so let's use that. Let's go to that excuse thing for a second. This is the hard question because I say that same thing, right? And you may not even have an answer for this. I don't know. But I'm, I'm so, if I don't have information, I think that, here's how I feel about it. You've been trained wrong. You can go get trained correctly, right? Sure. There's information, like you said. How to get abs, there's not a mystery, right? The, the world that I say this all the time, the great thing about business now is it really does come down to your ability to execute and work because there's not a shortage of information on almost anything anymore. Fifteen years ago, information was the key thing. Now information's a dime a dozen. Everybody's got information, right? Huge. It's execution. It's work ethic. It's busting your tail. See you on social media. They see you at the World Series. They see you with all these different toys yeah. and things that you have. But to this day, at this time, you're 48 years old, yep. right? You got a great company. You got a great life. You got a beautiful family. Thank you. What's work ethic look like for you? Give them an idea. Well, I come in every day. Every day. Yeah, I'm here on What's weekends. We, well, weekends. first of all, the building's open eight to five Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. I'm usually here eight to eight to seven Monday through Friday. Sometimes I'm a little early. Mm -hmm. um, just depends on the day. But I'm here every single day, and I and I work weekends. 
Right. But but I also work at home, and I also work when I'm on vacation. So yep. to me, I'm working 24-7. I just don't think it's work, though. I know, because you love it. Yeah, because, again, I mean, it, this, I would do this if I didn't get paid. Yeah, yeah. Would and you the really? You would. You Absolutely, because, because b believe it or not, what's crazy is most people don't know my real motives here. Mm. See, I think, personally, I want to be able to fix something in the world before I go. So I want to be able to fix, like, poverty. Like, mm. there's no dude on the planet or female that should feel what it's like to not be able to afford a Christmas present. That's just me. Mm -hmm. You see bums on the street, and you, and you think, like, how can they not make enough money to, mm -hmm. to have an apartment? Mm -hmm. The answer is they don't want to, which mm -hmm. those guys can, can hang out and do what they want, or they don't know how to. And, and surprisingly, I'll bet you the majority is they don't know how to. And the reason they don't know how to is because our education system's messed up. Mm. We force our students to learn a curriculum that has technically no bearing. I mean, dude, George Washington had wooden teeth. So, so what? How come they're not teaching me how to mm -hmm. leverage my credit? You know, I had bad credit till I was about 26 years old. Mm. And it cost me <clears throat> a lot of time and money. Mm. If Why weren't they teaching me these things in school? And they weren't figuring out personality styles. They weren't figuring out interests. They, they were forcing us to sit and learn what we're supposed to learn. How to communicate. Right. So part of the technology that we developed allows the curriculum to adapt to the student. I love that. Rather than forcing the student to adapt to the curriculum. Yep. And that's what we do today in our schools. Yep. Even colleges, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, your electives, well, here's your electives. Choose one. Mm -hmm. Well, what about what if I don't like those? Mm. What if my talent lies over here, but you have me forced over here? Mm. So I want to fix poverty through fixing education. That's and education, reason. you need to reverse it. Mm -hmm. Like my, my kids, you know, they'll lecture at school and then send them home with homework and questions. Mm -hmm. Why don't they lecture from at home and then I send them to school with the questions? Why are they sending home questions yeah. about calculus? Mm -hmm. Like, go to, go to school right. and, and, and ask the questions. Right. How do we fix that? Right. So can I tell you what you just described? Yeah. Your why. Just so you know. Is it? Yeah, that's your why. Let me help you out. Everybody who works hard has a why. And so when he goes back and watches this interview, he'll remember that the next time he tells you that. You so my why is I want to fix your, your poverty? Why, well, it's a pretty damn big why. Yeah. yeah. So you have a huge why. You're just It's so ingrained in you, you don't see the value of it. But I'm telling you that people that lack work ethic do lack a why. They don't know what their why is. It's just so natural for you, brother, right? But we have to think back of like how people really start out and they don't know their why. What is my purpose? What is my cause? What is my passion? You're so talented. You're so far down the road. You have these huge whys. You want to be wealthy. You want to grow this company. But you also have this big why, like you'd like to fix poverty. That's not like kind of a small reason to get out of bed in the morning, right? And I've got to know you better. And that's a real thing. Like you really love this. You love what you're doing for people. You love the applications of the technology. It's a huge why. And the other reason I asked you about work ethic is I wanted them to hear your schedule because it even took me aback. I said, you're in here Saturdays? You go, hey, I'm in here on a Sunday, man. And it, I, I, it elevated my respect for you because when I said, when he said to you that you lack work ethic, I think people think, no, I don't. And I think everything in life is compared to what, right? Like you may think you're working hard, you entrepreneurs out there that got your five, 10, 15 million dollars, but compared to what? Compared to who, right? So we all may struggle for some work ethic problem. Like I think there's plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL for years that thought they were hard workers, 
but not compared to Tom Brady. Yeah. A bunch of basketball players, I talked to Grover, they think they're hard workers, not compared to Kobe. There's a bunch of entrepreneurs that think, I don't have a work ethic problem until they hear your schedule. Well, I mean, right? I, could work, I could work way harder than I do. That's what makes you you. Right, but, but it's true. Like you know, at seven o'clock, you know, I, I I value some time with my kids. Sure. So I, I make those choices. Mm -hmm. But again, to me, I have a saying: there is no key to success. It's a combination. I've heard you say that. Yeah, because that. it's a combination, and everyone has their own combination. You, what you think success is, may not be success for me, right. and vice versa. I know people that think success is they can go get laid a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Like, dude. That's old. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. that's not success to me. Mm -hmm. Success is not hanging out, waking up with a hangover with three girls. Right. Right. I know people that do that, mm -hmm. and they feel cool, and they think yeah. I'm successful. It's not successful to me. Everyone has their own idea of success. I think the first time, or the first thing you need to do in order to achieve your success is look inward and figure out what that is, because you can't get it unless you know what it is, and most mm -hmm. people won't. Right. So when I go home at 7, I know I could work till 10. I mean... In my business, I could write you content, right? Yes. So I could be working literally 24 mm -hmm. hours a day, but I don't. Sure. So my work ethic is not that good mm -hmm. compared to what it could be or should be right. if I want to accelerate where mm -hmm. I'm going. But, but like Tim you gotta said, you got to weigh it out. Of course you do. Like Tim Grover said in, all, in my interview with him, he said, cleaner never thinks he's a cleaner. He always thinks that, or she always thinks she can do more. Yeah. So you are of incredible work ethic, but like any... Do I? Yes. And like, yes, you do. And you're like, when I interview people, especially when I met you today, I think there's very successful people oftentimes have no idea of their strengths and giftedness. Like, brother, you're an incredible communicator. Like, what I'm telling you about the way you drop the punchline with people, I don't know anybody else who does that. Like, there are other people who kind of talk like certain, you don't, you have your own style. It's, it's why I think people should be following you. I need to learn this. I think the four steps you talk about in becoming a competent professional at persuading, most people don't know that stuff, man. You take for granted that it's so good. I think your why is massive, and I think it's so massive and so deep in your heart and soul, you discount the importance of it. Then when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, that is a pretty damn big why, right? Your work ethic's tremendous. I want entrepreneurs to be featured, these things that you do that make you extraordinary, because you also run with extraordinary other people, so it seems normal to us at this stage, right? Yeah. But if we went down to any other sales business, all the other entrepreneurs in this center here, they're not working your hours. They're not, their content's not as good as you. Their, their technology's not as good as you. And so compared to what, your work ethic, right? That's what I want you all thinking about. And I think that's something that you're great at. The other thing you have, a couple more things I want to ask you. By the way, I think it's a great business conversation, too, for people to kind of sneak and listen in on. But how important is it to you to have some people around you and your associations? We are talking about a couple mutual friends of ours and neighbors here and stuff like is it has it been important to you to try to add people to your peer group that are just friends of yours that stretch you a little bit that push you has that ever been something you thought about or <coughs> just sort of happen and does that help you well i mean absolutely hmm. uh absolutely like i mean give me an example of of somebody well, listen, I mean, just like a house, right? Mm -hmm. If you've got the most expensive house in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. you're pulling up the value of the other homes. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. I don't want the most expensive house in the neighborhood mm -hmm. because I want to be one of these that are getting the value pulled up mm -hmm. because your, your house, which is probably the most expensive, mm -hmm. these houses are pulling your house down you're pulling these house values up. Mm. So I look at that in people. I want to be I don't want to be the most expensive house mm. in on the neighborhood. I'm hanging around guys that are 
that, that are making me look like mm -hmm. I don't have work ethic mm -hmm. or I'm not to that level. Why? Because again, it's just, they're pulling you up. Not only that, but like they just think different. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. people like Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. He wants to feed a billion people. Yep. Yep. Like who thinks like that? Yep. Right. Well, I want to hang around people that have bigger, yes. loftier goals than, hey, I want to make a hundred thousand so I can buy, you know, whatever I want to buy. Yeah. Like, what about the rest of humanity? Yeah, How when, do you fix it? When you thought of, um, when you said that your goal about poverty and the education system, the first person I thought of was Tony. And I also think of in terms of getting people together too, I thought what a great, I know you know Tony as well, but like what a great pairing for you as well, like because you've got similar goals and he could pull the house values up, so to speak. Well, he's right? a machine. He is a machine. He is. He's one. I just did a engagement with Tony yesterday here in town, and he wasn't feeling good and just pulled off four and a half His hours. His work ethic makes mine look ridiculous. And mine. And by the way, and that's why us all associating together benefits us, but those of you that are watching this that live in Missouri or Chicago or Australia or South Africa, you got to find people where you are that pull your house value up. That's a wonderful way that you explain that. Get around some people. Introduce yourself to people. Start to try to associate with people who will pull you up. Not always you pulling everybody else up, or, or worse, like you said, having people around you that pull you down. Because we've all got these detractors and haters that are pulling us back, telling us we're out of our mind, don't try this. How do you deal with them? What would you say to people? Because you know that's a huge thing today, right, is haters, detractors, all these people trying to change their conditions, trying to become a better version of themselves. And everyone's going, no, I like the version you are now. You make me comfortable. That's really what they're saying. Don't become that this is, new you, because man, I like the one you got. You don't make me so uncomfortable, right? But what exactly. would you say to them? What would you say to them that they're catching that kind of flack and heat from people? Well, again, I mean, this is why I don't really coach and mentor people because the answer's so simple. I'll feel like I'm ripping you off. No, give them. I mean, answer. The, the the answer is don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to say, how do I do that? Like, mm -hmm. how do you not listen to somebody? Yeah. You, you, you pay no attention to it. Yeah. Like if someone said to me, dude, you're turning into a dick because of this, this, and this. Well, if I was insecure or I thought that's the case, then maybe it would affect me. But I know what I'm doing and I know that I have integrity and I know that I keep my word more importantly to myself, yes. which is, which is real key. And so I already know it's, it's, it's nonsense. Mm -hmm. So anytime someone starts to talk negative, I'll just, you know, let it go by. Like didn't even, didn't even phase me. Have you always been that way or did you develop that? Well, when I was a kid, you know, I used to lie. Cause like I said, we lived on that house Yeah. and you know, I felt that we didn't belong in that neighborhood. It was a weird neighborhood. Like we had a little tiny crappy house, which mm -hmm. ended up being a big house. Mm -hmm. But anyway, little crappy house around all these other richer, well, rich people, not richer. Mm -hmm. Um, the Richardson lived over here. A doctor lived right here. The McKay's, who owned McKay's supermarkets, lived here. Okay. Then my dad worked at Bohemia, which mm. is a mill. Mm. Worked, lived right here in a little shitty house. Mm. So I used to BS everybody. Not BS them, that's a nice way of saying it. I used to lie mm -hmm. because I didn't think I belonged there. Wow. And I learned very quick. I used to say my dad owned Disneyland. Wow. Yeah, and, and I would just lie to the other friends, the little kids in my neighborhood. Yeah. And what happened was, all the other kids eventually alienated me. And I thought, I learned mm. at that age, don't lie, mm. be real. Because here's what happens. I was cool for a minute mm. and then they found out I was lying and I was hated for a while, a mm. lot, lot longer than I was liked. Mm. So that taught me to keep it real because if you're not authentic yeah. and you're not real, 
nothing's gonna last. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So like if I come, if I try to come across so Ed likes me, I want Eddie mm. to like me, man. Yeah. So I'm gonna come across cool and tough and and you know you end up liking me. It's only temporary because as soon as you realize I'm not, mm. it'll fall apart and that causes even more misery. Mm. You said something so huge. You said, I keep promises I make to myself first. And well, that's I, key. I, and I talk about that a lot too because I think that's the, that, that's the um, foundation of confidence is that you can trust yourself. You've kept promises you've made to yourself over and over and over again. You build a reputation with yourself. See, I never thought of it, but that, I yeah. like that. Well, you do. You build a reputation with yourself, and so then your reputation with other people isn't as important to you, right? Because your reputation is, is not what matters. Your character is what matters. Mm -hmm. Your reputation is going to change with what way, way the wind's blowing, right? Mm -hmm. But most people are so concerned with their reputation with other people because they don't have one with themselves, which means they don't have self-confidence. And you nailed it. Their self-confidence comes from the fact that they have a habit of keeping promises they make to themselves. So I totally agree. It's funny how we both get to the same place differently, right? Like we, we really do believe the same things. It's real interesting how we end up getting there. So last thing, by the way, he talks about keeping it real and that's his tag, the real Brad Lee, right? That's where we find you on Instagram. Is that the same on Twitter too? Same everywhere. Okay, so the real Bradley. Is that why you put that in there? Because you're going to keep it real? Or is, no, or is there no. another guy with that name so you yeah, thought, I better make the real one? Well, there's a couple of reasons. That, that, that's the main one. Okay. But, but the real reason, because mm -hmm. again, I keep it real, yeah. uh, is someone had a Twitter handle when Twitter was just coming out. Mm -hmm. And they, were, they had my name. Mm -hmm. I knew them. They got my name on mm -hmm. purpose and were was tweeting stupid shit like, man, mm. I get all the ladies and uh -oh. they were trying to be funny. Okay. And so I'm like, dude, knock that off like that. You know, I, I'm known a little bit and mm. that's going to make me look stupid. And they were, that's what made them laugh about it. Okay. So I had to go, I called Twitter and they wouldn't give me Bradley. They said, sorry. And mm. so, um, I had to get the real Bradley. So you got it now. Well, that's, I did it to battle the fake Bradley, which was my buddy tweeting stupid shit about no me. No way, that's crazy. And then ultimately, I used to train people, mm -hmm. but it was always virtually, because okay. after I got the virtual training system and figured out that it was worked way better to train people virtually than live anyway. Mm. Uh, so I started training a lot of these sales companies with my virtual training, and every time I showed up there live, they'd be like, oh, it's the real Bradley. <laughs> or people would say, hey, Bradley's here, and they're like, what do you mean, like on screen? Because mm. you know, it was the virtual Bradley. And then when they saw me, they'd say it was the real Bradley. Right. Well, I enjoy the real Bradley. Thank you. I like you. <laughs> well, I appreciate and, that. And I'm learning things from you today. And uh, I learned them off camera today, too. I've really enjoyed our time, man. And I know people that are listening to this have as well. And so I want you following him. And, you know, I always I have someone on my show. I always want to promote something for them. But I just got to be honest with you. I think the way he produces things, the way he articulates things, it is real. It is sort of blunt, as you've heard today. But I think he'll take you on a journey if you follow him on social media that's both entertaining but also enlightening. I do want you to follow him. And if you've enjoyed my podcast, will you please rank and review it on iTunes? Would you do, would you do a brother a favor and do that? I don't charge for any of this stuff. Subscribe to edmylet.com. Submit your email. You'll get weekly correspondence from me. Go to the YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Rank and review the podcast on iTunes. And again, Brad, thank you for doing this today with me, brother. I really enjoy it. I feel like we maxed out our time here together. My so. pleasure. And let me tell you something. Thank you, brother. You know, I went and subscribed to your newsletter. Okay. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, you're already doing the right thing following this guy right here. Thank I you, can brother. tell you that right now. All right. God bless you, everybody. Max out.